Shut up and sit down. Hi, I'm Corbin. And I'm Katie. And we are the, the Badger Bonds. Two best friends adventuring through the world of lady stuff, one episode at a time. We don't give medical advice, and we don't seek for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having at bars anyway. Hi. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's good. Yeah? Yeah, I was just telling uh, right before we... You guys already were there, but I'll inform our audience about my newest hobby. Yeah, I, His, our audience needs to know about your hobbies. So, it's a very stressful um, hobby. Today, today, the day that this comes out is the like ranking deadline for residency rank lists. Yes. And so my current hobby is logging on to the website and then logging off of the ranking website basically over and over again to make sure that my list is still certified <laughs> it's like totally just totally unreasonable but i just like can't stop doing it i keep telling myself okay corbin this is the last time you're gonna check no more looking at this and then i'm just like oh just one more time is this how real ocd starts i mean because you know everybody talks about oh i'm ocd i'm ocd this is like definitely a compulsion and like yeah checking it like makes me feel better like i have anxiety about myself yeah. i'm like medical school giving you all of the uh, mental health disorders that you never thought you would get um i just want to know if if like it could start this way and spiral out of control i mean i certainly hope i hope it'll end you know i don't on think so because day. i mean i know it's a it's a to have true a, ocd you have to have like like basically like Corbin could, if she wanted to, like not check it. It just makes her feel better to check it. Is that right, Corbs? Like it's not like you can't <laughs> right. help yourself. You just feel better after checking it, right? I mean, what does it mean though to not be able to help yourself? Yeah, but I think people with like true OCD, like actually, no, I don't think it actually have. That's OCD, what I'm saying. That's what I'm trying like, to explain the difference. The difference is that yeah. like in true like compulsions, like you must do the thing that you are obsessed with, or it is like everyone's going yeah. to kill you and your family you know like that's the feeling yeah it's yeah it's, it's more not. of a draw than like i don't feel like bad things are going to happen i just feel better but i think we okay so for people who aren't in who aren't fourth years because i feel like i didn't even realize this when i was like a first or second year med student but basically the way the match works like you put in you like make your rank list and then you have to certify it and if you go in and change anything then you're then you have no rank list like you have to recertify it for it to go through and if you don't recertify it, then you basically aren't participating in the match. Even if you have certified it before, if you go in and edit it, it is no longer like valid. And so there are horror stories that people tell about people like editing it at the last minute and not saving before the match deadline and then it going through. Which is definitely something I would, I I could see happening yeah. easily happening, it's which like to me, stressful. Yeah. which to me says that's a usability issue. Like yeah. that shouldn't happen i know but. it should just go back to your last list is right. what it should do but exactly. well and then like last year there was a program that they had certified and the program didn't research like they went in to edit something and then they didn't recertify so they had like all these empty spots to fill and it's just like everyone hates it like from both the applicant and the program side like it's just not a fun experience but the powers of be won't well, change like, it also like um 
when you certify it, it's not like that big of a thing. Like it's like you press a button and enter a password and then it's certified. So yeah. you're like, uh, is that it? Like do right. you need to do anything else? It like, seems like it should be a way bigger deal. Also, yeah. it, could, it could do the same thing if you just click save. Right. <laughs> like yeah. why go through a second thing? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, like why does it need to be certified so, in, instead of just saved? I know. It's really dumb. But can we just talk about for a second about the couples match and how terrifying this is? Yes. So Adam and I are couples matching and basically what that means is that like we each make our own list, but our lists get taken into the match together. So like instead of so like I interviewed at like I think sixteen places. So instead of me having a rank list of sixteen, my rank list is sixty seven things long because <laughs> We have to like put in like the multiple combinations of us getting different places. So like at the top of our list is like all of us living together. In the middle of our list is all of us living apart. And then at the bottom of our list, when you couples match, you can do a thing called no match. No match. So like I have ranked like however many places that Adam applied to, I have that many no matches ranked. So that like essentially. If we get down that far on our list, like he would match somewhere and I would not match anywhere and then scramble. So like our list is so long compared to other people's. Are there any like websites out there that help you guys figure out like all the permutations of the different like combinations or um there probably are I realize permutations and commutation combinations are not the same thing, but so it's I think it's like combinations. So you can so when you couples match, you can rank up to seven hundred different permutations or combinations I guess I think it's combinations anyway but you can rank up to 700 which I think I did it like if I think it's like 16 to the whatever power that he interviewed at I think was be how it works but we're not ranking that many obviously um anyway so the yeah, other one of our classmates was telling me that like with her and her partner it was like over 200 possible combinations or something like that. yeah there's a lot of combinations um but the other terrifying thing is that, like, if we put in our list and they don't have the exact same number, then we both get kicked out of the match. And Are you for real? Yeah. So, like, if I had, like, 67 and he had, like, 66, we would both get kicked out of the match. Because you have to, like... Right? Like, if your couple's matching, like, the way it works is that you each have to have, like, something in each spot so that... It is, I don't know. It's very complicated. That doesn't make any sense to me because what if you all like, what if you ranked at, uh, you interviewed at like different number of places? Because and like, okay, so let's say that we wanted to stay in Iowa. So like right. I have one option here, which is the University of Iowa. Adam has like, I think there's like five family meds. So like basically what our rank list looks like is like for me, one through five would be Iowa. And for him, one through five would be like Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Davenport, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah, sure. So like essentially we have to have the same number of ranks on our list because there, yeah, I should I have something to fill at every single spot. Yeah. Does that make sense? But like if you mess up and you like don't have the right number, then you like both get kicked out of the match. So who who matches first then? Like if so there's a video about it on the NRMP website, but basically like it just starts with one of you and then it doesn't really matter because like it starts with one of you and finds like the highest place you are in your schools and then it takes the other person and finds like if it compares them at that school at that plate like that equal spot on your rank list it like compares them 
to their school's rank list. And if they like don't make it into their school's rank list, then you both get kicked out of that rank number, like that line number and get moved down to the next line number. It's very complicated. The video makes it very apparent. So if anyone has questions about how to do it, I suggest watching the video. <laughs> hmm. So I guess I'm trying to explain this and it's not working very well. You're yeah, not a, uh, a Nobel Prize winning eco economist. Yeah, well, the Nobel Prize was only for the individual match, not for the couple's match. Uh, so, you know. Well, glad it's over. Yeah. Yeah, so I had, and now I'm getting stress dreams. I'm like a stress dreamer. I don't know Me if too. like, I do this all the time. And so I had a dream the other night that like I matched, but I matched. This is like not even a possibility because there's no such thing as like Winthrop University. So I matched at a place <laughs> called Winthrop University. <laughs> it's in North Carolina. Ooh. But I didn't match in OBGYN. I matched in. um. So I had a preliminary year in uterine surgery, which also isn't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, I, and then the rest of my residency was in pediatrics. And I'm like, why am I doing a preliminary year in uterine surgery if I'm matching in pediatrics? And then I was like, I didn't even interview at this place. And I, it definitely wasn't my rank list. Like, how could I even rank here? And then I talked to some guy who I've never met who supposedly worked at the school was like, oh, we talked to your mentor and she said it would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like no it's not fine and like i went to our our lovely uh uh staff here at the medical school and i was like crying to them and i was just like why is this happening <laughs> <laughs> anyway and then i was mad at myself because i was like corbin you're so naive <laughs> <laughs> And, but honestly, this dream so, felt so vividly real. Yeah. I like gasped from relief when I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how real it felt. Uh, anyway, well, so yeah. The good Hopefully, news is most of the things that you said were impossible. So yeah, like, all those things are like you just don't match. You don't match into some random program yeah. that you didn't interview and didn't rank. Yeah. Like the only way that can happen is if you scramble. So yeah. Yeah. Into like Pete, like nothing. You know what? Peds is a great specialty. I just do not want to do Peds. Right. Yeah. So uterine surgery <laughs> and uterine surgery. Hey, that is what you want to do, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, children have uteruses, too, then they need surgery. So you could. Oh, that's true. Peds and adolescent guy is a thing. That yeah. is true. Um. OK, well, I have another piece of banter, which is takes us to Pop Talk, the podcast within a podcast, um, oh, geez, the, the new regularly occurring segment on the badge ones. Uh -huh. So <laughs> I pretty much. So we've been recording at, at the, the Murph building, like our school building lately, because just the way our schedules have worked out with Corbin being seven hours ahead of us, it's easier for us to record in the middle of the day. And so every time I'm on the way to school, I always text Dave and, at, and tell him I'm stopping at McDonald's and getting a pop and ask if he wants anything. He never wants anything. But today... It's nice of you to keep asking. I got a pop and I asked for a Dr. Pepper and it is not Dr. Pepper. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> what is it? I don't know. It what tastes is it? like... That's a good story. Did you ever make a suicide when you were little where you like push every button on the pop machine? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it tastes like. It That's tastes like asking me if I had a childhood. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it tastes like, um, and also whenever you made a suicide, everything just ended up tasting like the orange pop that you put in yeah, it. Or like Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> but it tastes like someone mixed like Coke and Dr. Pepper and root beer, maybe? I definitely get a strong mm. hint of root that is beer. A, that is a, if that's the game that they're playing over there, that's a terrible game I know. to play. 
But sometimes Can I like... Can you like order a suicide at a <laughs> restaurant? I should try that next time. I just don't understand why you would put Diet Mountain Dew... Like Diet Mountain Dew is something you drink in shame. <laughs> not at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, you want to hide that shit from the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're alienating all of our Diet Mountain Dew drinking listeners right now. I know. <laughs> Sorry, right. guys, but for real. Like, Sorry. you only drink that thing at night, you know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but... <laughs> I just had to continue the podcast within a podcast. <sighs> yeah. Uh, and you still haven't offered to get me a pop, so what's up with that? First time you get back, I already decided I'm buying you a Diet Coke. It's fine. Uh, Stay I tuned Andrew for next that... week's show when we <laughs> Andrew talk was like, about pop again. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, Andrew was like, do you want a Diet Coke when you get off the plane? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> me in? yeah. He's like, I'll bring your bottle. I was like, I'd prefer a <laughs> tall boy can. Fountain. Yeah. <laughs> But depending on how long he waits for me that's at the true. airport, that you know, that could be a mess. That's true. That's true. Um, but I was also going to talk about one of my new hobbies because I'm very proud of myself. So I um, have been, I've like been on vacation for the past three weeks because my schedule is awesome. But um, I also make quilts for my friends' babies specifically, usually. And I finished a baby quilt uh, nice. this week, which is very exciting. But I also have started to learn how to embroider. Oh. Yeah, oh, that's fun. So I've been making an embroidery. It says "Smash the Patriarchy." So you know, nice. it's fitting with this podcast. But I just thought I'd update everyone. You got to take a picture of that, and we'll, and post we'll it. put okay. it. Yeah. Oh, well. um, Very cute. Yes. Is, is this hard? Embroidery? I think quilting sounds oh. hard. It's or tedious. I don't. Uh, tedious. I mean, you must is not think it's tedious. It. No, I actually. So what I like about it is that um, is your hobby boring? Yeah. That's what I like about it. Okay. Like, so I talked about this on interviews. Like, I feel like quilting reflects what I need in a hobby because I like creativity that is like structured. Like, mm. I need a lot of structure in my life. Mm -hmm. And quilting, like, the only part that I actually have to put in like a lot of thought work into is designing the quilts. And like, I make my own designs. I usually like base them off something that I've seen and liked, but like, I measure, I like draw it out and like make all the measurements and stuff myself. So anyway, so when I'm designing a quilt and like figuring out like all the different cuts and pieces I need, that's like the only part that actually requires thought. The rest of it is just following my pattern. So yeah. it's nice to like, that's what I like about it is like sewing doesn't require like a ton of thought. You just have to like, you know, push a piece of fabric through a machine. And it's just like nice to, when you have to like think about stuff all day at work, it's nice to like not think about anything when you're quilting. Have I mentioned that every attempt to use a sewing machine in my life turns into a big tangled mess? Well, I regularly get tangles too. It'd be a useful skill, I okay. think, too. Yeah, it's great. To I have. patched a pair of Adam's pants this weekend. Yep. It's I got to throw away my pants. Yeah. Well, you can bring them to my house. I can fix them. Well, okay. Get ready to receive a, uh, a shipment of crotchless <laughs> pants. Okay. Yeah, that is the worst, actually. There's no good place to sew there. No, because there's especially if they're jeans. There's so yep. many, yeah. Jean fabric is very thick and it's hard to get through sewing yep. machines. Anyway, back up the truck to your house this week. All right, sounds good. So we are on part two of our women experiencing incarceration uh, series, which is part two of two. And so last week we talked about pregnancy care 
um, for incarcerated women. And this week we're going to talk a little bit about two other big issues for women who are incarcerated, which are abortion access and access to menstrual supplies. Woo. So if you can imagine, um, one state where this is a huge issue is if you have a guess of one state that's not Texas. Texas. Arizona. It's not Texas. Yep, Arizona. Um, so I actually found two court cases. I like how she's like, one state. I'm going to give you one guess. Nope, three guesses. <laughs> okay, Arizona. Well, yes, that makes more sense now that I yeah. think about it. Yes. Um, two court cases actually uh, against the state of Arizona. Actually, one of them is against Sheriff Arpaio. Um, he seems About nice. these issues because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You mean the criminal that was... Well, you know. We've all got our... Pardoned for no reason. We've all got our downsides. Um, Yeah. So, basically, like we talked about last week, um, you know, based on the Constitution, it protects against cruel and unusual punishment in in incarceration settings. Um, And so, basically, according to the law, uh, people who are incarcerated should be given access to health care this is also true that um roe v wade wade applies to people who are incarcerated so they they still have um access to abortions and by by law they should have access to abortions that are not um an undue i guess burden to receive so basically the story goes that there uh the woman it's uh she filed the the suit under the pseudonym Jane Doe um, to pre- protect her identity, but she uh, found out she was pregnant in prison, which a lot of women do. Um, that's how a lot of uh, women who are incarcerated find out that they're pregnant um, is in their intake, and which is the dis- screening process we talked about last episode, right, Corbs? Right. Yep. Yeah. The screening process, uh, and so she uh, knew that she didn't want to. Um, she wasn't ready to take every child at that moment and she wanted an abortion. So she requested one and then uh, initially uh, abortion was denied to her because it wasn't quote unquote medically necessary. And they told her that she could receive one when she was on work furlough. However, um, and this is from the ACLU's website is where I'm getting this information. Uh, However, she was transferred to a prison where she wasn't allowed work furlough. And then she was told that the only way she could receive an abortion was if um, she fronted the money for transportation and costs and um, observation costs. So she was going to have to pay all that money, which obviously would be a ton of money. Like observation uh, of the... Like for her, like, um, basically, or? yeah, the correctional officer. Mm. <clears throat> So this obviously made it impossible for her to receive abortion. I also read another story of a woman who um, she was in jail for 60 days and basically they told her, you're only here for 60 days. Like you're not going to have one in this amount. You can't have one in this amount of time. You should just wait till you get out. Mm -hmm. Um, In the meantime, she was denied any sort of like prenatal care, which as we talked about last last week is also against the law. Um, She talked about, uh, living basically living on a unit with all the other pregnant lady where there wasn't enough room for them and so anyway it can be like we said there are all these like policies in place but they don't necessarily get enforced 
So, um, another big issue with this, like abortion access is that women know that they have still have the right to an abortion in prison. Like they need to be counseled that when right. they come up with a, like a positive pregnancy test, like actually, even though you're in prison, you still have a right to abortion if you desire that. Right. So you should be counseled the exact same way we would counsel you if you weren't in prison, essentially. Right. Um, and it's not, and it shouldn't be on the burden of the woman to know that like in prison, th- these are their options. Like their options are still, should still be the same as anyone else. Uh, which, so those are kind of like the biggest barriers when it comes to abortion access. Well, like, I actually, so did you say this, this is the court case right now that's in Arizona? Is that? It was, yeah. And what happened? It was ruled that, yeah, she, so it was ruled that she should have access, like they shouldn't have to pay up front for their transportation. Like basically that they should be counseled about their options and that they should have the right to go get the abortion when they desire but they can still be held accountable for the like transportation costs well they shouldn't have to pay up front okay here's my question about that though is do they have to pay transportation costs for any other doctor's visits i don't know because if they i don't think so no because it should be the same as a regular doctor's visit or surgery yep. or whatever. I mean, it should be this. It should be treated the same as literally any other procedure. Yeah, I mean, I personally disagree with the whole having to pay that, like, because you, like you said, it's a medical procedure, right? So, and also, like, what are you doing, forcing a woman who is incarcerated, who's making a decision for herself that she doesn't want to be pregnant and she doesn't want to you know like what are you doing forcing that on her right especially when you're not providing her with the care that she needs especially here's the thing that just like doesn't make sense to me and as at the core of like this whole like abortion argument i feel like is we are in a system which is like unethically encouraging people who are incarcerated to get sterilized but are refusing to prevent like to terminate a pregnancy so like we want people to not be able to have pregnancies, but then we ref- we like basically are making women carry them to term. Well, I suspect is, the yeah. argument is the argument is that it's a life pro life. But I mean, it just like, and then also the ref- I mean the refusal to take care of people once they have babies is just yeah. That's the real like oh okay go ahead. So that's the real, uh, you know, like this woman who said she tried to get an abortion, but she couldn't. And then they weren't even giving her like her prenatal vitamins or like right. access to nutritious food. And it's like, that's totally like, you know, a pro-birth mentality rather than like a pro-life right. mentality. Is it, it's you like, know, it's like, you don't we, care. We don't even care if this fetus has all its organs developed. We just care that you have to carry this pregnancy to term. Another issue that we that women face in, when they're incarcerated is access to uh, like sanitary products. So yeah, a lot of prisons uh, actually limit the amount of I don't know. Sanit- so I just want I, before you even introduce the subject, this makes me I don't understand this one at all. Yeah, in any way. Yeah, go go. Wait, you don't understand what? I don't understand why this is. Even an issue, a thing. I mean, it's yeah. It doesn't make any. Sense. It doesn't make any. It's 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 disgusting to yeah, do right. that. Like to do this. 
Yeah, so the issue is that a lot of prisons or jails limit the amount of sanitary products women can have in prison, which doesn't make, yeah, like doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you limit that? Yeah, it's You don't like, limit the amount of toilet paper people can have. That's what I was just going to say. It's to, it, the, the only possible explanation for this is that they're being assholes. Yeah. To prisoners because, because cannot, they can be assholes you to them. You cannot control how much you menstruate. Yeah, what are you supposed to do? Hold it in? You can't do that. This is so stupid. Yeah, and um, another, anyway. I, you know, I read some stories online about this, about women, like, you know, bleeding through their clothes and they weren't given extra clothes to wear. Also, like, the amount of time they're allowed to shower is regulated as well, so they can't stay clean in that way. And, um, you know, this is also a big health risk because if you're like wearing old tampons or pads, well, like, yeah. Yeah. you can get toxic shock syndrome That's and what die. I was say. So this and, you know, it's <clears throat> it's just controlling to be a jerk. And I read, I mean, never read the comments, of course, but like there was someone who commented on this ACLU post basically about like they're prisoners. I'm like that. I mean, that doesn't mean that. They don't deserve to be treated like human beings. Yeah, I mean, would like, you make somebody sit in his own shit? I mean, right. as a prisoner, I yeah. mean, is that is that is that an option? Well, no, probably, but no, it's not. Anyway. So yeah, it's just um, totally not okay. And so there are like there are a few states. New York was the first state to enact a law that basically said that women would have access to unlimited amount of menstrual supplies when they needed it and um arizona again was the state where they, they were sued for i probably watched not. i probably watched too much television but i just you know get this uh too, too many movies featuring wardens but i just get this like image of this warden like it it's too damn expensive to give women their their, their, women their supplies <laughs> so we're gonna we're only going to give them five a day. And if they bleed more, well, so much the better. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's my, uh, it's my warden. Uh, my yeah, southern, actually my the southern number, warden. Actually, though. That was a good uh, warden. That was pretty good. I love how all the wardens, though. And this is where I think that the wardens are from the south. Like, all the wardens are southern. <laughs> even in the north. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, in the, I think in Arizona, it was 12 per month that they were allowed. 12 per month? Per month? Damn, yeah. I was being generous. Dude. Well, I guess. Oh, my God. I mean, like, you're only menstruating part of the month, so. One, yeah. I guess like I was being. Approximately. But still, that's like, I mean. Days on average. But that's yeah. like 30. That's like 35. Yeah, exactly. I mean, on your first, like on your head, if you have a, any sort of heavy period at all, that would not do the job. No. You know, and if, especially the first few days, which are usually heavier. I guess people. they'll just have to ring it out at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, so messed up. So anyway, I would encourage all the Vagabonds listeners to do some research on their state's uh, laws about this. And maybe, <laughs> I know it sometimes can fe feel futile, but give a call to your representatives yeah. about this issue. Okay, so I say this article... And the, the title is Pads and Tampons and the Problem with Periods. All-Male Committee Hears Arizona Bill on Feminine Hygiene Products in Prison. So this article is talking about what Corbin just talked about. So basically, this like bill about... So they introduced a bill. So under the current policy, women in Arizona prisons get 12, pants, 12 pads a month. Um, 
this is like just pads. They don't even get Yeah, they don't even get tampons. And so right, the... Because they're considered a security risk or something, which is bullshit. Okay. Clearly, these people do not understand how, like, pads, tampons, periods, anything work. Like, this is, like, so dumb. She could strangle herself with the string. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, okay. So, this new bill would allocate $80,000 annually to the Arizona Department of Corrections from the state general fund so that all women in state prisons have access to free, unlimited feminine hygiene products. Okay. So, basically, this bill went to this committee of all men, which is... I mean, this is part of the problem with representation in our government is that we have people who had known absolutely nothing about the issues that are making decisions about these issues. Um, but basically, this um, the representative who brought the bill to the House in Arizona, um, she's a woman, and she was speaking about the bill, and she brought up, she said, in, um, in our prison system, a 16 count of always ultra-thin long pads costs $3.20. And um, one of the other representatives that's on this committee said, uh, Representative Salman, can you keep your conversation to the bill itself, please? (laughs) (laughs) And she responded, yes, Mr. Chairman, and went right on talking about tampons and pads. So, like, basically, this committee that's hearing this bill is like, we need to talk about the bill itself. And she's like, yeah, duh. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Like, bitch, please. Like, uh, anyway, so... Like, she was just talking about Brit randomly yeah. bringing up the cost of pads. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, there's a reason. Oh, my God. Anyway, this is like when... Um, I'll ask I you to confine yourself to talking about how we can make women in prison's lives miserable. Yeah. I think I also read a quote from this hearing that one of the representatives was like, yeah, I'm... St- Basically, like, I wish I didn't have to hear about it. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that's not cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, this goes back to when we previously talked about the idea that we think, like, the government thinks of pads and tampons as, like, a luxury. Yeah, that's what I was just going to bring up. So, like, I don't know how many states in the United States this is true in, but I know in the UK that feminine hygiene products are taxed as a luxury item, which means that they're, like, under higher taxes than, like, you know, like, food or, like, toilet paper or whatever would be, um... Yeah, which is, like, ridiculous. I think in an earlier episode, we talked about, like, almost, like, 30 or something or 40 states. Yeah, it's, it's really high. like that. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's ridiculous. And, I don't know, it's just so dumb. It's just, like, another, it's just another form of economic, like, suppression. Oppression, oppression yeah, of women. And it's the fucking patriarchy. And, ugh. <sighs> So frustrating. So anyway, give your representatives a call and make sure you mention the cost of pads. Yeah. And tampons. And tell them the Vagabond sent you. Yeah. And I think it's better to contact your local state people. Yeah. Well, do your state and U.S. because the U.S. has jurisdiction over the federal government. But yeah. But I would say that state is probably where you're more likely to get something to actually happen because a lot of states are, a lot of prisons are run by states. Yeah. I was going to say also probably, uh, States are more likely to have laws or 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 flout laws that yeah um, would affect this topic yeah. than the feds. But what yeah. do I know? Never been in prison. Not a woman. And also, uh, I mean, on top of just like the issues of prisons, I think it's. I mean, there have been like talks about how at schools, like high schools and stuff like that, in the bathroom, there's like these tampon like 
vending machine kind of things. I don't really know what else to call them. Yeah. But like for tampon and pads, you know, and those cost money, which is like, I mean, I kind of understand, but at the same time, like you're providing toilet paper to all of your students. So like, I don't really understand that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like a very, I mean, I can see it both ways, but how do you know that your students have access to that at home? You don't, you can't guarantee that. So, I mean... It's interesting. It's harder to dole out toilet paper by the square, probably. Yeah. Well, they would if they could. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. I just think it's interesting that, like, and I'm not advocating against this, but it's interesting that, like, you can give out condoms for free, but you can't give out, like, tampons and pads for free. I don't know. I'm advocating towards giving out both of them for free, not taking away one that is free. I think that you should give them both out. But yeah. anyway, I just think it's interesting. Makes sense to me. And I also think that we should do an episode about pads and tampons. I think we've said before that we're going to do this, but I think we should also talk about like a diva cup type thing. Oh yeah. And there's also a new one that I've heard about, which will be interesting. It's like a Mm. cervical cup type thing. Like is more, I don't know. Different from. It's different than a diva cup. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. If you have any questions, hit us up on our social medias. Oh, should we do our new segment, Corbs, that we talked about? About things we yeah. like? I don't know what... We'll oh, th- yeah. We'll think of a witty name for this same, but um, we decided that uh, we should start... We we have... Kind of when we started talking about doing this podcast, we talked about how we, like, you know, wanted to do an episode or something about different kinds of media that we like to consume and, like, things that we think that if people like this podcast, they would also, like these other forms of media. So we decided that instead of doing one episode, just at the end of every episode, we're all going to say something that we've been consuming lately that we really like and uh, would suggest to our listeners. Um, so I have started listening. Well, started. I have been listening to this podcast called Unladylike. Um, and it, it just started. So there's only a few episodes, so it's really easy to get caught up. But um, well, I guess I'll plug two things. So there's this podcast called Stuff Mom Never Told You, which is from the Stuff You Should Know Network. Um, but the old hosts of it, they, um, left, uh, left that podcast and kind of did their own things for a while. And then now they have started this new podcast called Unladylike, which is, um, a longer, but more in-depth, uh, analysis of just a whole bunch of different kind of women's issues. Um, so, um, the hosts are Kristen Conger and Caroline Irvin. Um, and they basically, it's kind of like the style of like a radio lab or like a this american life like it you know it's like that in-depth mm-hmm. like style of reporting um but they talk about um basically issues where women can act quote-unquote unladylike where they can challenge the status quo and like go above and beyond um so the one that i just listened to that came out today was um about it's so the title is how to be a boss witch but it's about how like the like act of being a witch is like in vogue right now kind of like you know like all this like crystal healing and like all this kind of stuff and um basically talk about like how it there's like the the witch industrial complex now like how it's like feeding into capitalism <laughs> i don't know it's just very interesting that's a great phrase I know, it's just very interesting I like it uh, but they talk about yoga they talk about like riding a bicycle and how that was like a huge thing for um suffragettes 
Um, their first episode is about how to pay for an abortion. So it's just really good and very interesting. Cool. What about you, Corbs? Um, I've been binging Code Switch recently. Mm. It's from NPR, Fresh Air, or yeah, it's from NPR. Um, and basically, it's about like culture and um, different like ex- people, like cultures, experiences in the world. It's really good. I highly recommend it, especially like if you like to think, you know, like about life differently and like. Like they did, actually did an episode about uh, black women's high m- maternal mortality rate, which mm. was really good. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. How about you, Dave? Oh well, I'm. Uh, I think. Um, I don't know. I I have a couple of. I mean, and there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I'm reading a book that yeah. that uh, Katie and Corbin recommended. Um, called the name of the wind by Patrick Ross. Patrick, right? Spell that last so name. So good. R O T H F U S S. I think. Yes, it's very good. It's very enjoyable. <clears throat> um, it's sort of a fantasy slash sci-fi, but you know, so good. I'm not even sure that that describes it because when I think fantasy, I think of like dragons and it's shit, like, and it's not really that. It's like um, I would describe it as like an adult harry potter in that yeah. it's like got a lot of the same like themes and yeah okay and archetypes yeah. maybe yeah it's fantasy like world building is what i would call yes, it. yes yeah i mean it's like it's like lord of the rings yeah, or yeah. you know fantasy yeah. world building yeah yes mm-hmm. and the other thing i want to um i want to shout out it's more of a more of a a concept <laughs> but um if you like to make stuff look into your local fab lab yeah um yeah. because uh super nice to go to a community center where you have access to tools and other people um people who don't think like you artists engineers um uh jewelry makers people who sew all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. we have one in iowa city that i think i've mentioned before um but uh the more i get into it the more i think it's something that if you want to make stuff or learn how to make stuff everybody should find the time to to look into that yeah Right. And you don't have to buy all your own stuff then, too. Exactly. Or or, nice. or have a place for it all. I mean, even if right. you can afford it, sometimes, oh, yeah. you know, like your garage has a car in it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's awesome. That's all. All right, cool. Well, we'll uh, talk to you next week. Yep. Bye, Corbs. Bye, friends. Bye.